I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord in the house today. Anybody got a shout for Jesus this morning? How about some praise in the house? As people are gathering in, let's, lift, let's stand together and lift our voices. Just begin to praise Him. Praise Him in the understanding. Praise Him in the spirit. Praise Him with the lifting of hands, the clapping of hands. Shouts of praise to His name. Give Him glory and honor and praise and worship. He is worthy to be praised. Father, we come in the name that's above all other names, the name that brings hope to our hearts and terror to the enemy. We ask, Father God, that you would do something supernatural in this time today. You would heal sick bodies. You would touch weary minds. You would provide where there seems to be no way you would give guidance and direction through unchartered waters. Father, walk with us today. Talk with us today. Speak to us as we praise you in song and in word and in scripture. Father God, walk the aisles. Let the testimony at the end of the day be, I felt Jesus touch me today. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give some praise.
could be the year. It's never been darker than it is right now. It's not been as evil as it is right now. Even in this so-called conservative state, we're passing laws that elevate evil and hate God and kill the unborn and everything else. Legalize things that distort. Jesus could come at any moment. Are you ready? Are you ready? There's coming a day when the the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will be raised first and we who are alive will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. This could be the year. I don't know. But you know, we've never been closer than we are right now. Let's sing that song again. From the beginning, let's sing it again because you ought to be getting excited about it. We have something to share. I was talking with my Sunday school class today about Sodom and Gomorrah and how that only those who knew the Lord escaped. And those that were so tied, like Lot's wife, so tied to the sinful society, she had to look back. She couldn't let go. I'm ready to let go. How about you? I want to go to meet him. This could be the year, and I want to live like it. I want to share like it. I want to preach like it. Well, some glad more. When this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's shore.
Sunday service of 2023. That's a good thing in some ways. But this year has gone by so fast, or at least it has for me. And I cannot wait to get 2024 kicked off right in the right direction. 
And as we think about New Year's resolutions, if you're still into that, and we usually have these things where we say, well, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to do this. And then you do it for like a day. My goal has been to lose weight for the last four years. Obviously, it hasn't worked out very well. <laughs> but one goal that I have in set for my mind this year and for the church and everybody in here is just taking that next step in transforming our faith and becoming greater engraved in the word and in the spirit and just taking that seriously this next upcoming year. And it doesn't have to be a whole year change, but it just happened to work that way. But for starting out 2024, that, that is what I want to do. My number one thing in life has to be dedication to God and his word and just the willingness and saying yes and listening to what he has for me in my life. And I encourage each and every one of you to do the same. Can we give it up one more time? Give praise to the Lord for everything that he's done and everything that is about to come. Now, if grandfather, Paul Paul Mark could come forward, please. If we have any guests with us today, um, I want you to just raise your hand so we can point you out. And this dashing young fellow, young is used lightly. This dashing young fellow, he has a connection card for you. If you can just fill it out with your information on it, that way we can keep, keep in touch with you and you, under, you can know about everything that's going on here at Trinity. So if we have any guests with us today, welcome home to Trinity, and can we give a round of applause for all of our guests. I know you guys missed having Wednesday service last week. The week just didn't feel complete without Wednesday service, right? Um, but we have service this Wednesday once again. We have our 10 a.m. Bible study, if you're able to join us for that. And then at 7 o'clock, we have our evening services for all ages. So if you're able to come out, bring the family out, and have a great time at church, we'd love to see you here this Wednesday. Now tonight, I understand there's a party. And I don't know why we'd be throwing a party on tonight of all nights. But there's a New Year's Eve party, and I was told that you are, number one, first and foremost, encouraged to wear your jammy jams. So if you got any comfy clothes or jammy jams, maybe you got some for Christmas, maybe you can, you know, show them off tonight. But tonight, we're going to have a party here for New Year's Eve, and if you plan on attending, we just ask that you bring a food to share for everyone, um, and also bring as any board games that you like or any games in general that you would like to play and we're just going to have a good time of fellowship and going with each other into this new year. Pastor, board members, or deacons, however that works. Well, one thing that we're celebrating uh, tonight is that the Buckeyes can't lose another game this year. How many of you just were embarrassed? Just to be a Buckeye, you were embarrassed. Okay. Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> he became a Michigan fan. I, I don't understand it. We're going to invite the ushers to come, and we're going to give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord.
and bless his name. First of all, I want to thank you for your faithfulness this past year in giving. Many expenses that we don't even think about. Did you notice last year that when the uh, when it snowed, it didn't snow a lot, but when it snowed, when you got here to church, the lots were cleared? It cost money. But you were faithful, and God blessed and expanded. And we had to set up a new contract this year. All those things, the keeping the lights on and the heat and providing different ministries and resources, from picking up the trash to uh, making trash to pick up, everything costs something. But your faithfulness keeps it going, and we touch lives around the world through our missions giving as well. We're touching the community. Heard a great testimony from Pastor Bill this past week how that an individual, a Marine vet that was living homeless, is now in a secure place uh, and found a, a housing for him. And lives are being touched by a variety of outreach ministries. It's all because of your faithfulness. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to so give that we're not blessed, but others are. But you've promised that if we give out of the right intent and motive, that you will restore and bless us back, even though we didn't do it for that reason. Father, bless both gift and giver to its intended use. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
us, Father God, that we would have an anticipation of an overflow of your presence and your glory in this coming year. An expectancy of the supernatural, the mighty hand of God moving, lives being touched, saved, redeemed, baptized in the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders is what you've done is nothing compared to what you're going to do. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated for just a moment. <clears throat> I was going to speak to the people who make calendars. I was confused. I was all ready to start a new series of messages today in the new year, but we're not there yet. I was all ready the next several weeks, laid out, ready to go. And then my wife reminded me, that's next Sunday, not this Sunday. Hmm. Alrighty then. And so I am feverishly praying and seeking the Lord to give me a message for today. O oh, me of little faith. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. What kind of faith do I have? You say, yeah, what kind of faith do you have? No, it's for you too. Say it with me. What kind of faith do I have? What kind of faith? Last summer, it was our privilege to go along with the youth to minister in South Carolina at the VBS daily schools at Myrtle Beach. And one of the lessons was on faith. And I had a whole jar full of mustard seeds. If you know anything about mustard seed, not all that big. You would have thought that I had given them a grain of gold. As I passed out those mustard seeds to the different classes of the kids. We had three or four different classes that we'd tell the Bible story to. And I said, here, I want you to open up your hand and I would put one, or the girls that were helping me would put one mustard seed in their hand. I said, now hold on to it. Don't lose it. Put it in a safe place. You're going to need it. Well, the first day passed, and the next morning came up, and I'll never forget this. A little girl, little tiny little thing in the youngest class came up and said, Mister, I've lost my faith. <laughs> Could I have another? <laughs> <clears throat> How many of you have been at a place 
where if you were honest, down deep honest, not churchy, religious distortion, that you might say, Mithra, I've lost my faith. What kind of faith do you have? We're going to examine some aspects of faith this morning. And I didn't prompt or say anything at all to J.R. about his introduction about this coming new year, but we want to grow in our faith. And that's the message for today. Would you take the Word of God in your hand, please, and turn in God's holy book to John chapter 20. Stand to your feet as we conclude this year of Sundays. <clears throat> John chapter 20. And beginning with verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside the, the upper room. And Thomas with them. Oh, this is the best part. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. Before I proceed, there may be someone here this morning. You've shut the doors. You've misplaced your faith. But it doesn't stop Jesus from meeting you right where you are today. You could have shut the doors. Say, I'm giving up on this. But that doesn't stop Jesus. When the doors are shut, it matters not to him. He's going to come in. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, If you were there, you wanted to be anybody but Thomas right there. Anybody but Thomas. Uh, reach your finger here. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now, Thomas, as you recall, had previously said when he thought he, nobody was listening, well, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to have any faith in this resurrection story and till I touch the nail prints in his hands and put my hand right there in his side where the spear went through he's remembering as Jesus said Thomas I heard you Jesus heard all of your unfaith and mine you didn't surprise him. It, it's not a secret to him. And so Thomas says, answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. <laughs> Jesus said to him, Thomas, 
Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Father, help us as we study about what kind of faith we have. I ask it in the name of Jesus, the faith giver. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you've read the Gospels at all, you know that Jesus was always looking for something. He's looking for faith. He looked at it for it in a variety of places, locations, people, situations, and circumstances. But he was always looking for it. <clears throat> it's kind of like me and my keys. I'm always looking for them. I put them down in a variety of places. I'm always looking for them. Jesus was always looking for faith. He came on a mission here because it's only through believing that we can receive his great salvation. He's looking for faith. In Matthew chapter 8, we find one aspect of faith that's mentioned. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23 and following says this. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. And he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of, say it with me, little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? You say, You're going to talk to us about little faith? Well, not really. I'm going to talk to you about the kind of faith that I have sometimes. It's called disciple faith. How many of you have disciple kind of faith? Well, it doesn't mean that you're way up here. The disciples had a very little bit of it, and it was invested in the wrong place. How many of you have the kind of faith that Bad things are going to happen. How many of you can look at a glass and see it not just half full, but almost empty? How many of you can uh, not remember the last time you had an optimistic thought? Disciple kind of faith has faith in the things that are outside your realm of control 
and you've also placed them outside the power of God's ability. They had faith. They just didn't have it in the right person. First of all, they had faith to go out in the boat to begin with. Just kind of a temporal kind of thing. They'd been out on boats. Some of them were fishermen. They'd been in these boats for years. It wasn't a big aspect of faith. They trusted that the boat would hold them, that they could go out into the water, and they would be fine. It's kind of like this morning, not many of you tested the pew before you sat in it. Amen? I, I, I didn't. I, I just sat in it. How many of you have ever been surprised sitting on something and it gave way on you? It's, misplaced faith right <laughs> our family loves to tell the story of one Christmas we were spending with at my older brother Barry's house and uh, he has a nice fireplace and and uh, the Christmas tree was here and and the, over by the Christmas tree there, there was a nice wooden rocker and everybody was doing all kinds of stuff and it was after the meal and so I found a comfy spot in this old wood rocker. And I was having a wonderful time. That rocker had been there for years. Big, thick thing, just, and everything was fine until it wasn't. And being by the fireplace had dried out some of the, the wood in the, in, and it just disintegrated. Every piece was separated from the other. And I found myself in the midst of a Christmas tree. Tinsel, new earrings. <laughs> it, it was just marvelous. And my loving family gathered around quickly, said, what have you done to the tree? <laughs> Misplaced faith. I assumed because I'd sat in it before, it's always going to be there. Folks, we can have misplaced faith in things that have always seemed secure, but they're not. Some of our faith is misplaced, and it's disciple kind of faith. Just like getting in the boat that they'd gotten in many times before and sailed across the Sea of Galilee many times before, it was their daily job <coughs> as fishermen, but we can never take anything for granted, really. But they had another kind of faith. They had faith in their ability to handle anything that the Sea of Galilee threw at them. Just because you've had success before does not mean that it's guaranteed now. <clears throat> well, I've, I've, I've done this before. I can handle this. And sometimes when we have that attitude, we forget to have the right kind of faith in the right person. So the disciples, they got into the boat in faith. They launched out into the Sea of Galilee. They saw the storm coming in. And then they developed another kind of faith, the faith in the storm. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? 
you see some storm clouds in your life rising up. And down deep there is an oh no. A not again. It can't be kind of faith. How many of you would admit you have faith in the storm sometimes more than you have the faith in the one who calms them? It's easy to do. I'm not condemning because I have the same problem. And the disciples, Jesus didn't condemn them. He just pointed out that their faith was in the wrong place. They had a little of it, but they directed it in the wrong place. They had faith in the storm. This past year and in past years before this, each of us has gone through some storms. Can I get a witness in the house? You've had some storms, and sometimes it appears the storm has won. It is easy to have faith that the storm's going to get you. They had a little faith. Jesus told them they had a little faith. The Bible tells us that he's given to everyone the measure of faith. It's not the size of your faith. We've said this many times. It's who your faith is in. Their faith was in the storm that they were facing. They, their faith was not in their boat's ability or their seamanship ability, but they saw the storm was more than they could handle and they went to Jesus with all the little faith they had. And they said, you might want to wake up. We're going to drown. Right there in the boat was the one they should have had faith in. If you go through the Gospels and you'll find that this is the eighth chapter of Matthew that this story takes place. And if you go back from Matthew 1 through 8, you'll find that he has healed the sick, opened blind eyes, cleansed lepers, straightened withered limbs, raised up paralytics, and caused the lepers to be back in society. Demons ran. Situations were turned around. Miracles occurred. Thousands were fed with a little boy's lunch but they had more faith in the storm than they had the one who was in the back of the boat. Sometimes I've got disciple kind of faith. Can I get a witness from anybody? It's easier to see the problem than to see God's ability to handle it. It looks so big. He says, well, that's it. There's no use. There's no way. And your history helps you look at it that way. There had to be hundreds of storms on the Sea of Galilee, but Jesus only dealt with two of them. Right? Just two. There's storms all the time. I've been out on the Sea of Galilee. Won't get to go this year, but I, I've been out on the Sea of Galilee numerous occasions. 
And sometimes the wind was so strong that we had to stay tied up to the dock because the waves were even taking the big boat we were on and moving it around. Disciple kind of faith will not get you victory, but it will get you noticed. <laughs> Jesus looked up and says, what are you doing? Why, why do you have little faith? And you've taken that little mustard seed of faith that I gave you. He's given to every one of you. You may have misplaced it, but you've still got it. It's still there. God gave it to you. You have faith. I, I don't know. I believe God. How about you? I believe the word of God. I have faith. It's what I have faith in. What my faith is invested in that makes the difference. They had a little bit of faith, a little mustard seed of faith, and they invested it in the storm's ability to destroy them. But standing right there was the one that they'd watched feed the 5,000. The one that they'd seen unstop the deaf ears. The one that they had witnessed heal the leprous spots. The one that they saw raise someone from the dead. The one that they saw cast demons out. The one that they saw stop a flow of blood 12 years in the making. A little girl raised to life again before their very eyes. And they're telling him, we have no faith, we have no hope. What's the cure for disciple faith? Spending more time with him. You see, our original scripture out of John, after the resurrection, Jesus taught them some more about faith. And they were avid listeners now because the resurrected Christ is standing there. The doors are shut because of the, the Jews that wanted to kill him. They were in fear, yet Jesus steps right into your most fearful moment and says, let me breathe them shalom peace in your midst. Made a believer out of Thomas, made him eat his words. Sometimes we need to eat our words and come into direct contact with the one who's bigger than any storm we will ever face. Disciple kind of faith is what they had. I want to look at some other kinds of faith. The I've got to see it to believe it kind of faith. It's interesting today in the, the age of artificial intelligence and the ability to make things appear to be real and happening on the giant screen that people are starting to believe that the superheroes are real. 
that these forces beyond, they want to tap in to those dark sides and everything else. They've made it so believable that they see it and they think it's real. But I've got good news. You can have your eyesight corrected beyond 2020. You can see things that are not there and know that they're real. And the Bible calls it faith. This kind of faith, I'll see it when I believe, I'll believe it when I see it, is not really faith at all. It's not believing in what the Word says. It's not believing in what Jesus said. It's believing not in the power of the cross. It's believing only in what I can personally verify. Well, there's a problem with that. Then you can't believe in salvation because you can't see it. You can't believe in your sins being washed away because you just can't see it. Amen? You, you can't believe in God's ability to touch and to heal because you just can't see it happen. You have all the informations on the other side. This kind of, I'll believe it when I see it, faith is non-faith. It's the kind of faith the world has. And they have gotten to the place where they have gotten people to believe the unreal because they've seen it on the TV screens and the movie screens and in the video games. People don't believe in death anymore because you get five more lives in that game. But you only get one shot down here. How can I get to the place of the kind of faith that the Bible talks about of believing without seeing? The cool thing about it is it's all where you stand. If I look back at the back right now, I have some corrective lenses on that really don't help a whole lot. I cannot see anybody in the sound booth. Is there anybody back there? I really can't see. Wave at me if there's anybody back there. Oh, oh. You've been what? Oh. But you know what? If I, if I journey a little bit closer, I can see that they're there. My proximity affects my sight. If you would have said a few moments ago, well, there's, there's two people back there in the sound booth, I would say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But with these failed lenses that I have and the lighting and all the, these lights and those lights and whatever, I really can't see them. But the closer I get to where they are, more I can see that they're really there. I can see better here than I do. Wave again. Oh, they're messing with me now. 
when you use illustrations, you really ought to tell them, you know, in advance so they don't mess with you. Now they're holding their hands down. Okay, okay, okay. There, there, there they are. Okay. And the closer I get, don't go further. Okay, I understand. Okay. The closer I get, the more I can see it. So the solution for I'll believe it when I see it, faith, is to get closer to the one who's going to do the miracle. And if I get closer to him, I can see things from his vantage point, his point of observation. When I begin to see things not through my eyes, which are weak and messed up, but I see them through his eyes, I see them through the eyes of faith. What kind of faith do you have? Do you have disciple kind of faith? Faith more in the storm than in the Savior of the storm? I'll believe it when I see it kind of faith? Well, let's look at some other things here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and following says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. Say it with me. I have faith because God gave it to me. I have faith because God gave it to me. I can choose who I invest my faith in. I can invest it in the storms of life. I can invest it in the perils of society. I can invest it in my government. Mm. I, I can invest it in my legal officials. I can invest it in the legal system. I can invest it in, all, in my car. How many of you found out that's not a good investment sometimes? I can invest it in a rocking chair beside a Christmas tree. But you know what? If I choose to invest it in the God who gave it to me, nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me. Mark chapter 9 tells us about another kind of faith. Jesus said to this man, he says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, how can you have both at the same time? It's entirely possible. Amen. How many of you can relate to the dad here? His son is, is demon-possessed. He's brought him to the disciples, none better. He's tried everything, everything that he can think of. But Jesus told him, if you can believe, all things are possible. That little measure of faith that God gave you, if you believe in the God who gave it to you, that faith, 
can do the trick. His boy walked away set free from demon power because of that measure of faith invested in the God who gave it to him. You have faith, but your kind of faith is, I don't think it's strong enough kind of faith. There's so much false teaching out today and in years gone by that has led people to this concept that faith is incremental, that uh, you need to have more faith. No. You... You've got the faith that God gave you. But the more you sow that faith into the God who gave it to you, the better and stronger and greater it becomes. It's not about you pumping up and getting more, more spiritual faith so you walk around like a, a dynamo and a powerhouse I've seen some little old tiny ladies so frail you could see their bones through their skin in their hands, barely able to walk down an aisle, but they could fell giants because they invested that little grain of faith in a God who was able to handle the situation. Say, so, well, that person has more faith than I do. Got the same amount. It's just who you've invested it in. You invested in the situations of the world, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a sinking ship on the Sea of Galilee. Or you can invest it in the one who calms storms. And you're going to be all right. You can have a ton of doubt floating around in your head, but one solitary gram of faith in God can overpower the tons of doubt that sweep over you. Picture this with me. See a little tiny baby, barely able to crawl, can't walk, just kind of crawling down the center aisle of the church. Daddy's in construction. And he decides it's take your kid to work day. And so he takes his little baby who can barely crawl, dresses him up in Carhartts and, and hats and gloves and everything else, takes him out to the job site and sits him on his lap behind a gigantic crane. In front of him is all the controls. And there's a lever that when you pull this one lever back, it'll lift 10,000 pounds in an instant. 10,000 pounds. And if you watch closely, see that little tiny baby, not strong enough to walk yet. And the daddy has him put his little tiny itty bitty hand on that lever and said honey push the lever 
And with all the little bitty strength he has, he pushes it. And 10,000 pounds is lifted up into the air and stays there. Now, technically, technically, I'd say, that baby just lifted 10,000 pounds. But it wasn't so much the baby as the one whose lap the baby sat on and the position of the power that was available. If you're waiting till you feel strong enough to do something big in the kingdom, you're going to be goo-goo-ga-ga crawling down the center aisle. But if you take that little bit of faith that God gave you, get real close to him, sit on his lap in faith, he can move mountains with a mustard seed of faith. Now there's another kind of faith we see in the Bible. We've talked about a little faith, disciple kind of faith. I'll believe it when I see it kind of faith. The I don't have a whole lot of faith, I just got a little bit kind of faith. But I'd like to look at this other kind of faith. It's a, it's a powerful kind of faith. It's a what have I got to lose kind of faith. What have I got to lose? You know the story. We tell it often because it's such a great story. There was a woman. I love the old gospel song. It, it goes like this. A woman tried many physicians but grew worse so to Jesus she came when the crowd tried to restrain her. She whispered these words in her pain. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Then your life will never be the same. But there's only one way to touch him. Just believe when you call on his name. Twelve years. Twelve years she has battled with hemorrhaging. She can't go anywhere because she's hemorrhaging blood. She's had physicians come, but the Bible says she was worse off now than she was before they came. They tried to treat her with all the ideas and concepts they had, but she was, as the Bible says, she was no better, but rather grew worse. She heard about this new kid in town, this new guy. She wasn't able to go to the synagogue because of her condition. 
bleeding continually. But she heard about somebody. Maybe people would drop off meals or show her some kindness and say, you won't believe what happened at synagogue this morning. Well, tell me. There was this guy, he, he's not from around here. He's, he's from Nazareth. And he came down here and he's staying with uh, uh, Peter, Simon Peter and, and his brother's house. So, he says, well, he, he came to synagogue to the scripture reading this morning. There were people gathered there to read the scriptures, the scrolls of the word. And you remember that guy that, that was injured in that accident? He says, uh, which one are you talking about? The one whose, whose hand is just, it's just held to his side. It's, it's no use. It's withered away. He says, I remember him. He says, it's not that way anymore. Because Jesus, that's the fellow I'm talking about. He came into the synagogue and he went up to that person and said, show me your hand. And he stretched it out. And as he stretched it out, strength came back to it. And the flesh came back to it. And he was given high fives all over the synagogue that morning because Jesus healed his body. Wow. Is that all? No. He went went down the road to Simon Peter's house. You remember her, his, his mother-in-law? Oh, yeah, good lady. Well, she had a fever. She was sick. He walked in, took her by the hand, and she walked right up. You don't say, yes. Is that all? Is that all this, this Jesus character did? Oh, no. He said, no. Uh, word got around, as it will, when you're talking about Jesus. And just a few nights ago, everybody in the town showed up at Simon Peter's house. You're kidding me. I wondered what all that crowd was. Yes, that's what it was. They came and they were, they were all gathered in. And, and you, you remember that fellow that's been paralyzed for years on the other side of town? Yeah, I remember him. He says, well, they, he, he had some friends that brought him on a stretcher. And they couldn't get in to see Jesus because of this massive crowd. They went up onto the roof. You don't say, yes, I do. And they opened up the roof. You don't say, yes, I do. And then they lowered him down. And Jesus looked up and saw their faith. And he spoke to the man who was paralyzed. Take up your bed and walk. And what happened then? He did. Yes, he did. That person that dropped by that lady's house, we don't even know her name. But they were building up and throwing water on that little seed, that mustard seed of faith that God gave her that she didn't know she had. She was like that little kid at the, at the Bible class. Mister, I've, I've lost my faith. She, she had tried everything with every doctor and physician. She was worse than she'd ever been. She had gotten to the place, what have I got to lose? She had had somebody water that little bit of mustard seed faith in her spirit. 
and told her about the things that Jesus had done, the things that Jesus had said, the lives that had been transformed. And as she shared those stories, that faith was growing and growing, not so that she felt stronger. She felt just the way she did before. But she got to the place, what have I got to lose? If I go out in this condition, I can be stoned to death and ostracized from the community. But I just don't care anymore. If I can't have a healing in my body, I don't want to go on living. I don't want to go on any further. And she worked herself up by reading and remembering the scriptures that had been read to her in the services. And she said, you know what I'm going to do? She didn't tell anybody. She just spoke to herself. How many of you talk to yourself? It's always a good idea if you want to talk to somebody intelligent. Talk to yourself. She said, I have half a mind to go down there. And the other half of her mind says, what do you got to lose? And so she wrapped up as best she could. And the stench of her hemorrhaging was still on her body. And she went out and she saw Jesus emerging from the synagogue. And he had on the, the prayer shawl a reminder of all the laws of God and the promises of God. And she said within her heart, if I can just touch the hem, the border, the fringes of his garment, I know I know. How did she know? She knew because God had given her a seed, a measure of faith, and she had heard about Jesus, and the faith in Jesus grew till she knew in her heart. What have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? I'm going to die here. I might as well die there. And she made her way trying to not be seen by anyone at all. She made her way. The crowd wasn't paying attention to her. So it was an easy thing to sneak up on the crowd. And she says, well, if they stone me, they stone me. I'm dead either way. I can't go on much longer like this. And she got down on her hands and knees and she began to crawl because big bodies, it's tough to get through, but skinny legs you can get through. And she got down on her hands and knees. She began to crawl. She began to crawl in her weakness, in her frailty. And she got close enough. She was so desperate. I just don't care anymore about anybody else, anything else. I've heard about this Jesus. She didn't know this, but the seed that had been planted in her by Almighty God was blooming when she heard about Jesus. And she reached out, touched the borders of his prayer shawl. And like electricity going through her frail body, 
something she'd never felt before. Something happened to her, and she sensed that she was healed, and she was whole, and she was just laying there on the ground, bewildered by what had happened. Jesus turned around and said, Daughter, thy What? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. And she was healed completely and totally healed from 12 years of plague in her body. Have you ever been to that place? A desperation. I don't care anymore. I've got to touch Jesus. What kind of faith do you have today? Do you have a Kesara kind of faith that, well, whatever will be, will be? I know that Doris Day sang it really well in that movie. But that's not Bible faith. You've got something God gave you, my friend. Like that little child at the Bible story. Would you reach out your hand for just a moment? Just reach out your hand like this. Imagine me just taking a little tiny mustard seed. Put it in the palm of your hand. Close your hand over it now by faith. How many of you got faith? Well, it doesn't look like much. Well, don't look at it. Look at the one who gave it to you. Not me. Look at to the God who gave it to you. God gave me faith. And I want to get close to him so that I can see things the way he sees them. I want to get close to him to realize that it may seem small, but it's not the size of my faith. It's who my faith is invested in. And I'm at a place where I flat out just don't care anymore what anybody says, what anybody thinks. I'm going to touch him in faith right now. Whatever kind of faith you have today, maybe it's that disciple kind of faith. Faith in some things, but faith ultimately in the storm's ability to crush you. That I remind you Jesus is in the boat if you know him as Savior. Do you know him as Savior today? Yeah. Savior's in the boat. Yeah. Savior's in the boat. Now, if you are listening or watching or gathered here, and you don't know this Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior, you're on your own. You might as well believe in the storm's ability to get you because you've got no hope. These were experienced seamen. They were going down, and they knew it. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, and you can right now, show of hands, how many of you know him as your Savior? He's forgiven your sin. He's come into your life. 
He's in your boat right now. Go to him. You can even tell him you don't have any faith right now. He's okay with it. He knows it anyway. But go to him and say, Lord, if you don't step in, we're going down. Jesus is in the boat and he's willing to step in. Or maybe you're that father that didn't think your faith was large enough. He had faith in the disciples and they let him down. But when he came to Jesus, he says, I, I believe, but I've got a whole bunch of unbelief. Jesus said, well, your son's well. Set free from demon power. He obviously had enough faith when he got his faith vested in Jesus. And that woman, are any of you so sick and tired of your situation that you just don't care anymore you say what have I got to lose this thing's going to kill me or they'll stone me or whatever I'm just going to take my problem to Jesus and Jesus called it faith The invitation today is a very simple one. I'm posing the question to you, what kind of faith do you have? It's not a condemning statement. It's just a, a wake-up call. If you're willing to admit as you stand to your feet that, yeah, I, Pastor, I can relate. I've got that disciple kind of faith. I have more faith in the storms I'm facing than the Savior who's in the boat with me but I'm not comfortable with that anymore. I want to turn and put my faith in Jesus. Realizing that if he doesn't step in, we're going down. But if he does step in, we're going to be just fine. Are you that person that's trying to compare your faith with somebody else's? False teachers have told you, well, you don't have enough faith. You, you need to do these things and practice this way and and all kinds of mumbo-jumbo. Oh, no. You just thank him. He gave you the measure, and that measure's all you need when you invested in him. Or maybe you're at that place of desperation today, desperation faith. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to Jesus with it. Live or die. There's somebody else in this story. We don't know their name either. It's the people that told the woman with the hemorrhaging what Jesus could do. She's nameless. That person is nameless. Their name could have been Jim or Eric or Eddie or anybody or Tom or, or Janet or whoever. It could have been anybody. could have been their name. But as they told her what Jesus was doing, God touched the faith that he'd given her. And 
she said, if I know, I know, I know, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. The altar will be open in just a moment for people to come and bring your faith in the Lord to it. Disciple faith, little faith, no faith, misplaced faith. My faith's not big enough kind of faith. Desperation faith. Come and bring it all to Jesus. But I'm also inviting people. So I'm willing to be the one who waters the faith of somebody else so their faith grows in Jesus. Tell them what Jesus is doing. Tell them what Jesus has done. Water we need a whole lot of waterers today because it's a dry and a thirsty land. I'm going to step out of the way. I'm going to ask the deacons to come, the pastors to come, and be ready to pray with you, whatever your need is. If you don't want anybody else, she didn't. Uh, that woman didn't want anybody else to pray for her. She just wanted to touch Jesus. Some of you are like that today. Can my deacons come and my, my helpers come? And if you want prayer, you go to them. If not, you just come to a place of prayer. And if you're willing to water the seeds of faith, would you come to? God's going to fill up your watering can. He's going to fill up the overflowing so you can share what Jesus has done and let their faith grow. You're just as much a part of the miracle as anybody else. But what I'm going to do today, after you've prayed at the altar, when you feel that release to leave, I just want to stand in the back going to have the anointing oil on my hands. And as you exit, could I just lay hands on you and ask God's touch upon the new year we're walking into? A new year of faith. A new year of victory. A new year of more faith in the Savior than in the storm want me to lay hands upon you. You go out another way, but I'm going to be in the center. I'd love to pray with you before you leave. We hope to see you tonight for a good time of fun and, and frivolity, and we will pray in the new year as well. Join us tonight. But for right now, the altar is open. What kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith?
Just a mention of his name. Just a mention of his name. Just a mention of his name.